Okay. So today I'm having with me Kate White. And Kate, thank you so much for, uh, for just giving me your time, coming to share with me, share with whoever will listen later. And uh, I've been following after your work for some time. Um, and so I'm really appreciative that you joined to talk with us about um, prenatal and natal and uh, birth psychology. And you will tell us a little bit about it more, what it, what it means, actually. And sure. why, why wouldn't you start by introducing yourself? And uh, yeah. Well, thank you for inviting me to have a podcast. I love communicating through this medium. So thank you. It's, a, it's an honor to always be invited as a guest. <clears throat> and I'm a somatic therapist, a pre and perinatal somatic therapist, but I started as a body worker, just straight massage, mm. working with mothers and babies. That was my passion mm. and still is. And I got involved in understanding the baby's experience of birth quite accidentally through my clients who remembered their own births um, through my work as a biodynamic craniosacral therapist. Mm. And then from there, I just deepened into uh, studying with all the pioneers in the field and starting with William Emerson and Ray Castellino and his student, uh, Myrna Martin. And other amazing pioneers um, in the field. And then I developed my own methods now and my own teachings. And I developed and ran the education department at the Association for Prenatal and Perinatal Psychology and Health for six years, which is wow. a, a long time uh, it to, is uh, to mm. give to that uh, a, a nonprofit world. And now I have my own online healing school and I'm in partnership with really amazing people trying to make the, a difference in the world of birth and for the health of mothers and babies and birthing parents. Um, mm. And it's really about the earliest, uh, earliest layer of human experience. And we find that that's the root, that's, that's the, the foundation for health. And then our lives are built on that foundation. So Right. We are we are finding out more and more and more that 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 early beginning does have lifelong implications for our health and well-being. So let's talk about like how early because we talk about birth but but I think you also mean earlier than birth itself, right? Yeah, yes. Well, often when I'm with someone I describe to them as you coming in as a coming in spirit came into contact with your family lineage. So that's the earliest. So transgenerational, intergenerational aspects, you know, family culture, um, attachment styles, trauma in the history um, that's not even associated with them can show up in their bodies and in their, their unconscious lives. So it starts before we are conceived yeah. really. In many ways, yeah. Mm. And, and then we look at how we are conceived, whether or not it was conscious or not. And then there's all kinds of deep mysteries in the prenatal time uh, that, I mean, we are discovering more and more um, the impacts of events in the lives of parents during the prenatal time and the stress of a mother and what she experiences, where she lives, um, what happens there. And then, of course, birth, again, is, has a lot of implications later on in life. And, and then how we are attached to and bond outside the womb right. um, mm. and what happens for us after birth. I find that babies, I work a lot with babies and, and babies tell me pretty much that, that the most terrifying things that happen for them are separation from their mother after birth um, no matter what happens during birth it's the separation of mother from mother is terrifying yeah so, so then then there's you know the the, the first implicit so somatic time which is before our right our left brain comes on so very right brain so attachment um, mm. and bonding relationships so it's as you can tell it has a lot of layers yeah it does yeah for me, it's really exciting to hear you also. I gave birth almost nine months ago for the oh, first wow. time. Congratulations. So, thank you. So um, 
so yeah, so it's really also on a very personal level, it's really fascinating for me to hear you speak and very like touching, very personal thing for me as well. So thank you. Yeah, I am. Um, it's, it's fascinating. I think that so many people, also there is a lot of lack of knowledge, but we have a lot of misconceptions as well regarding babies, regarding, um, I, I don't even talk about like the pregnancy because I think that for many people, that's completely uh, out of their awareness that there is a, a baby that has full capacity to to grasp the envi- the environment he's growing in. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, well, people have been resistant to uh, thinking that babies have experiences or that things that happen for them have have lifelong implications or consequences, and um, they they get it's very t- hard for practitioners, for midwives, for um, doctors, for parents, just to think that what's happening around a baby uh, might be remembered. And so we've come to try very hard uh, to describe how scientifically this happens and yeah. how, how memories get laid down through the sensory and perceptive qualities that babies have. They, they may not make sense of it in the way that an adult or a child would. Um, they have their own ways of making sense of what happens but it, it does create an, imp- an imprint is what we call it, yeah. um, an experience in the body, a somatic experience, yes. So it's not a cognitive way of making sense because that I can even say from somatic psychology uh, approach that only develop when we are around five years old, four and a half, the, the cognition. Um, so you're really talking about something that is much more sensoric and that's in a way why it's like you use the word get imprint in the body. So mm-hmm. it's really lift some remarks in, in, in our somatic uh, environment. Yes. Um, and we've really now got, have a wide range of tools to try and understand that. And that we, we describe babies as sentient, which is sentient. 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 Okay. Tell more about it. Um, well, the word sentient really means aware, um, but I, the best descriptions I've heard of babies is that they're sensory and perceptive, and it's their senses that that impress their perception of the world around them. And uh, their mother is the everything. That's how I what I say to moms: you are the everything. And but when when we've become greater a greater understanding of babies has been to say in the womb babies do everything out inside the womb that they do outside the womb except for breathe air so there's movements there's gesture there's uh, how they use their body their their senses there's more than they use more than five senses they use 12 actually and they have a, a huge range of perception in terms of what's happening around them and they also have uh, the, the beginnings of their uh, central nervous system are there. Their neuroception is on. Their their limbic brain is formed. Their they have um, peptides that that get released. That they have um, receptors in their body. Uh, and we know, like one of the biggest issues that can really be treated for mothers' babies' human development is the stress of the mother. Yeah inflammation and stress and um, other chemicals really do have an, an impact on the on the baby and so we're now we're tracking all kinds of things that happen for moms uh, during their pregnancy and then well that I mean that's just been in the last 10 years that we have a yeah. much greater understanding of what happens for babies mm. wow yeah you... yeah I was going to say that yeah. the pre and perinatal the birth psychology world has tracked this for 30 years. So it's not new to people who are passionate and enthusiastic about birth psychology. And there have been some fabulous pioneers that have looked at the mother-baby relationship and looked at the baby's experience in utero and, and have known that babies have had experiences. It's just 
the science now has caught up to birth psychology and, and we look at all kinds of, of things that happen for parents. Like if the mother um, loses one of her parents or the father, or if the, if the baby is not wanted, if there's been um, domestic violence or substance abuse on the part of the mother, mother's high stress levels, uh, mother's constitution helping her really slow down and connect with her baby regularly. They, all these things have shown to have impacts. Um, and that's just the beginning. I mean, we've, we've now are able to track um, if, a, if a baby has um, difficulty during birth, if there's been a cord wrap, for example, or there's been anesthesia or analgesia or uh, things that happen for babies that are painful, they all can register in the body. Definitely. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. yeah. And what do you like? You come from craniosacral therapy, and I know that craniosacral practitioners do a lot of work with babies often. Mm-hmm. So, what would you do with a mom and a baby in case there was, for for example, um, uh, anesthesia or cord wrap or anything like that? Well, if there's been a, a trauma, like. And babies, babies will tell you, if you know how to listen, the baby will tell you what's difficult and they'll show you, they'll show you with their body, with their gestures, with their autonomic nervous system. I mean, the polyvagal theory and the autonomic nervous system has been one of the revolutionary tools that's right. allowed us to really see babies. Um, before the polyvagal theory, there's the work of Heidi Als, who is um, revolutionized the NICU with her developmental care. So she was able to really also describe how we know babies are, are having a difficult time. But Ray Castellino was also a pioneer that helped us understand how babies show their story. So, and um, what I do with moms and babies is if there's been difficulty and often they'll show up in my office with the, the three top patterns that I see are feeding difficulty like breastfeeding or any kind of feeding, feeding, sleeping and crying, inconsolable crying. And and these, all these will show up in my office. And so I'll get the birth story. And um, I often will affirm with the mom how difficult it was. And sometimes they are, they have a, a, some kind of a knowing that it was hard, but I, I'm able to really ground, ground it um, in what was hard. And so there, we have a wide variety of patterns. C- could even be a, a birth that didn't have anal- anesthesia or analgesia. It could be a really fast birth or a really long birth, yeah. or um, you know, a, 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 a baby that had to have help in some fashion. Um, and so I listen to the mom and I, I uh, to the birthing parents. I really help affirm that it was challenging and that they were heroic because most birthing parents are really heroic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can see from looking at you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. But then I listen to the baby also. And so sometimes it's really first stabilizing the nervous systems of the family, bringing them into connection, slowing the pace, listening to the story, accurately reflecting what happened. And then I use body work. I mean, I do craniosacral therapy, but I also do pediatric Bowen work, which mm. was taught to me by a woman named Judy Terwilliger in our country. And I relieve, I restore function to muscles that have been really tight. Often I find it, babies, if they're having trouble after birth, it's probably in part related to what we call intrauterine constraint or a baby being stuck. Mm. in utero and often so I just restore function I um I help babies feel heard I help them feel better in their bodies and I help I do that for the mom too and I bring the whole family into resonance together and give them skills and I educate them about the baby and them and their own nervous systems and and then they walk out of my door and go out into their life and thrive so Mm -hmm. That's what I do. 
It's so it's so important. And I think this is the place where I was saying that there are so many misconceptions um, about, you know, let your baby cry it out or all these things that we we just think this is how baby are babies are. They are not, they are they are crying, they're not always sleeping well, they're and we don't like step down step down into the somatic into our somatic reality where these all are crying for for help these all are this is the baby language this is how we communicate and all these are crying for help basically and um, yeah so so important yes well we um, we often come at babies and maybe even birth um, from the outside in we have a a way that we think it's going to happen when we really need to be with the birthing parents or the baby from the inside out. Um, and so some, t- so cry it out. No, that doesn't work for every baby for sure. And especially not very young babies. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of ways that you can look and see and, and gain, you know, really understand what's going on for the baby based on what they're saying with their body. And you know, once a baby gets it, that you get it, that you understand what happened to them, they will show you what you, what they want you to know. And that is what I would love to be people to get if they could understand how to be with babies. And some babies are very affable, really easygoing, and most of them are hardwired for joy and, and delight and love and connection. Right. It's also coupled with their survival physiology because that's how we are wired. But I mean, I've, I've met the most amazing babies and I have to restore function to parts of their body and I'll have to ex- explain to them what I'm doing. Uh, and it can be uncomfortable because their bodies are kind of stuck uh, yeah. usually in a, in, a, in a little bit of a twist. Um, but once they get it that I'm listening, oh, the conversations that happen and the things they show me and, and the sense of wonder um, that emerges from being with them. Uh, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. One of my, one of my teachers, John Chitty, he said to me, babies are the royalty of humanity. Mm-hmm. And they are the essence of who we really are is all there. Mm-hmm. Um, love and peace and forgiveness and um, connection. I mean, I, I agree with him that the best of us is there. So when, when there has been wounding that's that early, um, it's right next to this amazing you know, aspects of ourselves. And even though we sent, tend to think of babies as helpless and dependent, which they are, right? Mm. Uh, they are very dependent and so are children, but babies are, are actually quite amazing beings to be in relationship with and um, very spiritual aspects. The work I do with babies is a spiritual practice. That's how I see it. Mm. So they are dependent, but they're also quite. Um, like I remember this experience with my daughter when she was super small, and but she just um, she just went through birth, and I and I and I saw her as so. Um, how would I say it? Maybe even fierce and capable. And yes. Like, yes, she's this little thing and she's fully dependent on me at the moment, but she's also super capable. Yes. That's good to see that in a baby because they like that. They, they are often, they, they participate in birth. They turn themselves, they push with their legs and, um, it the most if they're a foot down, feet down baby they push with their arms i mean they wiggle their bodies i mean there's a sense of mastery and even a sense of um, exuberance that can come from being born uh, that feels good and right. so it's good to see them in their health to see all of them and if you see that then they'll start to show you more and more about who they really are mm, i love that so tell me more about the the impact that you see or you know from your work about like the rest of life after these experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we, we know that um, 
muscles and the nervous system can be very affected by the trauma, you know, right. just like an adult. Um, but we're, we can, we see all kinds of patterns that emerge from unheard trauma from birth and from the baby's experience. Um, we know that mental illness can be heavy mental illness actually can be yeah. um, related to birth trauma and that's newer research that's come through the fetal brain research, but they, they, the researchers, the fetal brain researchers can stand up in front of audiences and say these, we, we can talk with babies, we can talk with them in utero and help them. And so the heavy mental illness data is around schizophrenia, um, Tourette syndrome, um, bipolar depression, borderline, um, disorders, and then ADD, ADHD, and some autistic um, research. And then we, we know that, uh, that for children who have a hard time settling, that can be related to also birth. And sometimes if you give body work to, to children, they can totally shift in how they are, mm -hmm. how they appear. Um, like, for example, not being able to sit still in school or not being able to access all their capacity for feeling safe and listening, um, which everybody needs when they're learning. Uh, but you know, beyond that, I don't think that we're able to know for sure. Chronic fatigue and chronic um, and other like asthma has also been related to things that happen during pregnancy and birth. Um, but it really depends on who you are. So we know that every gene in the body is affected by birth and it depends on your genome and who your ancestors are. And, and then of course, sensitive caregiving, sensitive parenting can make a huge difference. Mm. So what we're, what we're doing now is, and we being this amorphous group of passionate enthusiasts like myself and including the fetal brain researchers, we're sort of all, um, trying to coach the world to be more sensitive to babies and and babies and mothers and families with babies, uh, really helping to promote better programs, early head starts, or like uh, one of the fetal brain researchers I recently interviewed told me he felt like kindergarten is another place where we really need to be a lot more careful uh, so I think that the, the data that we have, the research that we have, um, can inform how we receive families after they have, have babies. And then also to support mothers in their stress um, during birth and uh, their, own, uh, their own issues, their own health issues, and then how we can promote connection between, in, for the couple, for the family, so that there's enough support so the mother can truly relax and then bond with her baby pre, pre, uh, prenatally mm. and after birth. Mm. Mm. Um, two things that came to me that I'm really curious about. First, about what does it mean in your lenses, the sensitivity for babies? What does it mean, the like sensitivity? Tell me more. Babies. Like I, I'm thinking in the if new parents, yeah, and um, uh, that don't have any background in anything of the somatic field, they don't know on the nervous system, they don't know anything. They're just being born to this new role in their life, mm -hmm. and now they hear us and they hear the the need to be sensitive for babies. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, that's a that's a good question, and. It depends on who your baby is, of course. Um, but the biggest message is to slow down. Um, mm. And then try to think about how it is your baby can interact with the world. And if it's, it's their senses are wide open. So I, as much as possible, just be responsive to the baby's cues. Like that's too much. You know, babies will say that's too much. Often they'll just sleep, they'll 
they'll just shut down because their nervous system, that's what they're so good at is um, just shutting down. Babies that sleep a lot are what, what we call good babies, um, which is in quotes for those of out, out there listening. It's like, that's how a nervous system, the baby protects him or herself, just uh, shutting, shutting down. So it looks like sleep, but it's really a shutdown. Mm-hmm. So you just want to respond to your baby's cues. And some babies really want more stimulation. They want to go out in the world. They want to see things and uh, they get kind of bored. So that they, they want you to go outside with them and show them things. So we need to understand their cues. We need to understand when their body starts to show subtle cues of overwhelm. Subtler cues are, are not crying. That's a big cue. That's a, often when a baby's right. crying that you've gotten to the baby too late. Yeah. So you're looking for their, how they look at you in their, with their eyes. They look, you're looking at the, their skin. Is it modeled? My modeling skin is one of the early cues of the autonomic nervous system getting a little overwhelmed. Um, the most subtle cues are sneezes or coughs or, or a baby that looks away because babies will tell you with their eyes so right. much about how they're feeling in their body. And then you're watching their hands. Babies will talk with their hands if they're fisting a lot because fists are uh, is a sign of stress. That's, a, right. I, that's me saying I'm, I was supporting a mom the other day and to try to breastfeed because that's why I, too, I treat a lot of breastfeeding trauma. And um, the baby was breastfeeding to the best of his ability, but he, he was fisting while he was breastfeeding. And um, he wasn't fisting before he got on the breast. And I, I called the mother's attention to it. You know, this is a sign of stress. It's stressful for the baby to breastfeed. It, it hurts a little bit because his body doesn't, wasn't functioning 100%. Um, it wasn't a bad thing because stress is not, you know, feeding stress, you know, sometimes they have to have a little bit of, of motivation. But, right. but to see that in the baby, you want to watch the baby relax at the breast. You know, so, I mean, I'm, I'm just, when babies will fist, that's a sign of stress and how a baby holds their body, what they do with their arms and their legs. Are they very stiff? Are they very relaxed? Are they more floppy? Um, What they do with their fingers, what they do with their feet and their legs. um, All these things are, have been broken down into small little cues for people who are enthusiastic about babies. Um, The best set of cues I learned was from Heidi Alls. He's the one who's, who has revolutionized the NICU. She has her own organization. I think it's called NIDCAP or I can't remember what the, the, what her organization is called. She's really understands babies. And um, I really, I really love her work. Um, Mm. Her story was she, she came into this country. She's from Europe and she had a baby that was full term, but had some kind of growing issues outside after he was born and she began to realize that um that he had cues that she could follow based on behavioral watching animals so she took the whole mammal observation science of mammal observation and turned it on to babies and and then just watched a lot of, a lot of mother baby dyads and developed a whole um understanding of baby cues mm. And that was in the 70s. And so then she went ahead and began to work a lot more with prematurity. And then then she developed ways to understand the sensitive nature of premature babies and revolutionized how we how we work with premature babies who are really, really super sensitive uh, compared compared to a, a full, you know, full term baby. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, so sensitive that even their skin is not fully formed yet. Like, I think that kind of like uh, can can show how sensitive it can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also how responsive to the mother and important it is to include the parent. And yeah, the whole science of prematurity has, has been fascinating to, to watch and, and read about and understand as we get better and better at helping babies born too soon. 
Yeah. And also it gives us a window into the sensitive nature of babies anyway. Um, there's another really fascinating scientist named, um, I think, Alison Gopnik, who wrote The Philosopher in the Crib or The Scientist in the Crib, The Philosopher Baby. Um, she's, she talks about how babies are the best scientists. They are. On the planet, the, the, what they, the, what they, the way they observe and experiment and and they, they, all that starts in the womb. It doesn't flip a switch as soon as you emerge. Uh, so yeah, babies are, babies are amazing. Too. Yeah, they are. I can, I can just give a little example for my own daughter that she will be nine months soon. And she just recently had this, have this thing of just throwing stuff from her uh, feeding chair and I think that many times as adults, we can look at it and say, oh, she's just making a mess or this, but she's actually discovering gravity. This is the way they do it. And we, we can, uh, it's so simplified the way of learning in a way. So we forgot, we forgot how we did it as uh, when we were babies and we, how we discover the world. But for them, everything, all this sensory, all the the eating and with the hands and with the the taste and the colors and everything is mm-hmm. is fascinating for them. Yes, yeah. And then you are the ambassador to the world for them. You are the safe haven and the secure base for them. And right. you play a pivotal role in in how they develop a relationship with the world. And yeah, you know, what did Bruce Lipton call parents? He called them. Uh, uh, empathy farmers, empathy farmers, you know, that that you are, you can have such a wonderful influence on your child. And therefore we need to support parents more. Like I, I know in our country, United States, we are woefully behind most other countries around the world in helping parents. I know you're in the Netherlands. Is that right? I'm in Norway, Norway. Yeah, they're quite. The they are. They are very good in it, in a way. Here, although I would like to have more craniosacral therapists around me. <laughs> yes. So this is what yeah. I'm missing here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I um, I feel like we're just we have some pretty good bills now before our our Congress around helping families more, um, but that's what needs to happen. I think yeah. that we need to soften our birthing practices and really yeah. empower parents a whole lot more and teach about the sensitive sentient um, aware nature of babies and then really support our families with paid leave um, with programs with continual support with insurance policies that will include um, helping parents uh, understand their baby's natures and educational programs education Mm -hmm. yeah because in a way i know it from my own background and studies that if uh if me as a parents my nervous system my traumas my things are disturbed in a way it can be really hard for me to help my daughter regulate and she and she's so dependent now she's slowly getting her on her own autonomy but when they are so small they are so dependent on our our uh, nervous system for for regulating so if and so i feel like it's also there is like a seed of opportunity in that for parents because Mm -hmm. even if we didn't got it in our own childhood when we are with the baby and we educate ourselves we kind of like have an opportunity to to do it for ourselves as well Mm -hmm. yes oh yeah this is a great opportunity and your brain gets as affected as as it gets affected um and and change can happen for you uh uh, with the ba- as the baby's brain. So I have a, a whole poster series I developed around helping people understand the baby's experience. And the very first one I developed is called Bonding. And it's, I, I approached an artist. I really loved her work. She drew a lot of pictures of babies and angels. And I asked her to do this medical work with me. And her, the art is very lovely to look at. But I said, please draw a picture, this picture of a baby and a mother looking at each other. And the, how are we going to illustrate that the mother's brain is as affected as the baby's brain? So she drew these 
beautiful pictures with the rainbow um, sort of colors flying around inside the brains of mothers and babies. And that's the truth. I mean, you're, if you've had a difficult childhood as a mother or a parent, uh, your brain changes when you have a baby. In fact, everybody is affected by babies chemically. Yeah. Oxytocin, vasopressin uh, starts firing. They even did this study about the impact of babies on um, learning. And they did a project in Canada where they took babies into classrooms uh, of, of, of school-age children. And they found that learning increased, scores went up. Um, that program is called The Roots of Empathy. Wow. And, and they wrote a book about it. So, I mean, having a baby can be really helpful. Uh, and breastfeeding can be curative for women who've had trauma. So there's a lot that we can do to support mothers and babies and whole families uh, that will help human development in the long run. Yeah, I totally agree. Let's talk a little bit about, um, you mentioned it a few times, but um, uh, bonding and attachment. Mm-hmm. Yes, well, a bonding, bonding and attachment, like a, a bonding is how... Um, babies respond i think bonding bonding is the energy of parents towards their babies and attachment is the energy of the baby towards the parent and it's it's a biological psychosocial um energetic it's in our bodies it becomes a part of our nervous system so it's not just um, a theory it's actually becomes part of our physiology and it's Attachment, attachment theory has been one of the most researched um, psychological elements uh, in our world in terms of psychology. I mean, the, the, the depths of it, starting with um, John Bowlby in the 50s and his, his looking at how the absence of parents or mothering impacted the development of, of children. Uh, and then... We, we were able to even go deeper with students of John Bowlby and understand what we know of, of secure attachment or insecure attachment and continued research after that and looking at the role of parents, parents that are scary, uh, which is disorganized attachment. And then as it grew, of course, we're looking at parents and their children and that, those relationships. But then like in my, in my educational lifetime, like I'm, I don't know, I'm 58 now, and I've been doing this since 1999. So I don't, I don't know how old was, I was when I started, but we weren't looking at attachment so much. Mm. We knew that it was important. But then over the decades, I've really watched it grow, become more incorporated in, into so much, and then incorporated into couples, the nature of couples relationships, and then looking at attachment styles and how they show up in all relationships. And, and so now it's just like a pillar of understanding. Um, and it, we know that the nervous system is plastic and flexible so that if you didn't get a securely attached relationship when you're little, you can repattern that. Um, and that's all the work in couples and in relationships and in the autonomic nervous system. So yeah that's sort of a big big summary so which which part of attachment would you like to talk about no yeah it's it's um it's it, it's a big theme of, of itself and it's really like uh, the um, the the big thick uh, pillow which all development later sit on mm-hmm. and uh, you mentioned a little bit on the secure attachment and the disorganized uh, attachment and um but again if i look in the lens of parents, new parents don't have any background knowledge. And although the, the, the knowledge on attachment is very vast, and I think many people are aware of it, but what would you say to a new parent that, um, that, that just had a baby about attachment or about bonding and the important it is for the rest of the life of their child? <laughs> <laughs> Well, first of all, I just want to say to all parents out there <laughs> listening um, that we are always making mistakes as parents mm-hmm. and nobody is perfect. And so 
the the theme of just being good enough, just understanding, well, what is that? So let me talk about that, just being yeah. good, good yeah. enough. And um, I would say where we err a lot on, um, you know, in a, as a culture, and this is in the United States, I don't know about Norway, or um, I imagine it's better other places. But if we could prepare people better to be parents, if we could help them understand a little bit more about their role, even before they get pregnant. If, if we could um, have classes on preconception, if we could have classes even in high school um, and in college around the roots of health uh, that lie in our relationships, because it's, it's not just for parents, it's for everyone to understand yeah. how they were parented plays a role in their nervous system, how we respond to the world um, comes through this first relationship. And so uh, everyone can take a little test or quiz and, and they may, they are some pretty good ones out there. Yeah, now. they are. Yeah. You can understand your attachment style and yeah. you can understand your parents a little bit better too. And because they parent often because they don't, they, how they were parented and and then they can also parent based on, I'm not going to be like my parents. I'm going to find something different. And then the quest begins, you know, for how to be a good parent. But if you understand your parenting style, you can understand if you could have some kind of guidance and and asking and answering questions like, what kind of mother do you want to be? What mm -hmm. kind of father do you want to be? And so that would be the first thing I would say to a parent, like, please get a, have some understanding of, and compassion also for yourself. And then th the next step is to really begin to understand your baby. And um, the babies are not all the same. Like I said, we, we tend to come at babies from the outside in and just think, okay, this is a baby. And that means X when that's not really true. Every baby is different and every baby has their own innate gifts and, their own purpose on planet earth. So you need to recognize first that they're sentient and that they have capacities just like you have, you have. And then also from there, realize that, well, maybe you have a super sensitive baby. And this is very confusing for parents because they think that their, their baby is crying and the baby over next in the other side, side of the room is not. And they think they're doing something wrong when actually their baby is super sensitive and one in five of us genetically has a, a chance of being more sensitive than other babies. And that comes through the research of looking at um, long and short allele chains in the nervous, in the DNA. And I found this research through looking at um, how they research Navy SEALs, for example, what makes a Navy SEAL? They're so robust, how can they do all that? Well, they happen to have a genetic predisposition for that. And so it, your baby just may be super sensitive. So learning what, how to be a relationship with your baby and every baby is different and every pregnancy is different. Even if it's the same parents, the parents are not the same. First time parents are a lot different than totally. second time parents. Yeah. So just being with that particular dyad, um, I can start to teach the parents what the baby's saying and what how to be with the cues of the baby and then realize that the strength of your relationship and the building of resilience in the nervous system doesn't come from knowing everything it comes from the mistakes that you make and how you repair those mistakes or how you recognize and catch yourself and say oh that was a misattunement i'm so sorry that, that kind of cycle of attunement, misattunement and repair is what builds resilience. So I would say they, say, they say in the literature, this is just reading the research, that one th only, you only have to attune to your child 30% of the time wow. to, to create a secure attachment. And when you have stress and you make repairs for what mistakes you've made, um, that builds re resilience. And that's what you want more than anything out here in 2021. I mean, yeah. you want a resilient person who understands the nature of relationships, that they're not perfect, 
and that you can make mistakes and then repair those mistakes. Um, that's what it, that's what parenting can do. Um, so, so in a nutshell, you only need to be good enough. You need to make repairs if you make, if you make mistakes. You need to understand yourself a little bit if you could understand your own sensitive nature and your own family dynamics that you come from and any traumas in your ancestral history. Uh, and then just learn how to attune to your particular child, what helps them and what are the conditions that create dysregulation in yourself and your child mm. and know how to really you know, set boundaries and make a take a pause and really reorient. And John Chitty, I, I like to talk about John Chitty because he was one of my mentors and he would say, catch them doing something right. When we talked about families with babies, he said, see them in their health, make sure that they feel that you see what they're doing right. The parents, you mean? The parents, yes. Catch every, even babies, praise what's the health catch them in places where they're doing it right because mm. it's so easy to see what what they're doing wrong yeah mm. now I, I will say one more thing about this and that i i care for a lot of moms that have had birth trauma and the first thing often out of their mouth is it's my fault i did something wrong yeah and so i i really do a lot of reorienting for moms and I often feel like we're failing moms we're we're being the society around mothers we're we're not offering enough support and we're not helping them understand what happened to them and that's my job I figure I make a lot of repair with families and I let them know where I feel like we can be better and I do my very best to make repair, uh, a stand-in repair for systems that fail them, uh, I think. So, yeah. Wow, Kate, your job is so uh, valuable and so important. And wow. Yeah, well, I'm training practitioners now. And I, I would like an army of practitioners, please, uh, to be... I, be out here helping families um, help write them after difficulty Uh, because if a baby's not sleeping nobody's sleeping and uh, if a baby's not eating well everybody's on their edge of their seat and if a baby's crying all the time then then there's huge amounts of distress in the family and often pts from that so um if I could have a lot more people trained in understanding how to support families with babies, with birth trauma, with somatic therapists, and um, really you need to have somatic skills. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and in your, um, I've been looking a little bit in your website, you have also trainings also for professional, like you say, building the army of practitioners that you <laughs> want to have, but also yeah. trainings for parents. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Yes. We, we do have times have trainings for parents to understand how to be with babies, how to help their babies. Um, and then I have lectures, a wide variety of lectures. And I have, I also have a real passion for understanding the embryo um, mm-hmm. and understanding our earliest beginnings in human development. Um, but I, yeah, I ha- wish I had more for parents right now. Um, but right now, I, I'm really interested in helping train practitioners so that we can help parents and there can be a, a wide, a wider um, surface area yeah. uh, f- for, for people to, to get better if they've had challenges. I feel it's so, it's so important. And my husband often tell me that, um, uh, tell me like how a lot of the stuff that I know or my colleagues know that most of the people out there don't know. And when my daughter was born, she was born with a cord around her arms. And I was doing a lot of work with her on that to help her. There was a little bit more high tonus in her arms. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
and I yeah I acknowledge the need the need for this knowledge out there so we can you know traumas are inventable it's part of life but maybe the beginning we can have some grace time where where we have a little bit better uh, beginning of life uh, when our system is so open and sensitive and everything makes such a strong imprint before we have any defenses because a little bit later on we have some defenses we can uh-huh. be pro- more protected from these traumas but so yeah i feel it's so so important and uh, this uh-huh. knowledge out there uh-huh. yes really helping this is the roots of our health are here in the early time and there's you know the, our experience is coming in uh, you know being conceived in the prenatal time birth and after birth um yeah if we could pour our resources here um, I think our world would be very different. Yeah, yeah I totally agree with that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for it, Kay. Yeah, you're welcome. I, I'm happy to talk anytime with anyone about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always, uh, uh, I know it for myself, but it's always uh, really a great joy to meet another really passionate practitioner in their own field. And uh, yeah, I also, I told you in the beginning, I was following you for some time and I've seen your work. And I saw also during COVID, you were holding group for pregnant women that are alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were doing these Zoom meetings. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so. Yeah, I had a whole mother care uh, feature and then people started going back to work. So then it just became a working group for practitioners. And that's, we've gone on as a study group now. And um, I have a Patreon page where I have a lot of skills and tools that I put up there for mothers and babies and also for practitioners or people that want to learn about. um, It's called A More Beautiful Life. That's a podcast I have, but also I create meditations and tools and explanations of this early time know how people can learn learn about it in small little pieces and then apply it to their lives um so that was that was the mother care during covid amazing i will put some links under your your episode in my podcast Mm -hmm. there will be some links so i will also put um, the birth psychology um website and also maybe you will send me this patreon page and i could put that one as well for mothers Yes, I'll send you like, and I also run an online school now. It's called PPN Healing Online. And I have a variety of programs um, in that as well. And my all my training programs are there. And um, I have several new efforts. Um, one of them is in training people to work with babies. And I work with a, a, an, an osteopath named Jonathan Evans out of Australia. And he and I have um, a training program there so people can learn more about how to work with babies, especially if you're a cranial practitioner. Um, I have a, a big focus on healing birth trauma. So I have a training program now that's that you can access through the online school. And I have special guest speakers um, on embryology is one of my big passions, including Yop van der Waal, who's yeah. in a an amazing embryologist. Yes, he's brilliant. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, his work is uh, pivotal and uh, I think represents um, a doorway into understanding our incredible natures, uh, um, both as a human being on planet Earth, but also our spiritual aspects and how that shows up in our physiology. And um, I've been working with a Qigong practitioner who understands embryology as well. And his classes are there. And I, I recommend those to anyone, but especially if you are a love, love the embryo and, and the development, human development. Um, I just feel like if we can really understand uh, this early time and re-experience it in our bodies, because I believe, like Yalp Bonderwall says, this aspect of us is always there in our bodies. Uh, and 
recently, since you're a fascia person, um, the fascia is the meso, which is the middle tissue. Uh, this embryologist I've been working with talks about um, the meso as vibration. Like we are meant for vibration or movement. And uh, there's a way that that represents our, our embodiment. And uh, that's what so many people are focusing now is how are we embodying our lives and are we happy? And do we feel fulfilled? Are we, are we, uh, are we chasing our purpose and, and experimenting with our purpose on planet Earth? Or are we reacting to our trauma? Yeah. And it's really um, something we can see on children and we can um, reflect on ourselves in that. Because a child, taking all this, the thing we talked, a child that is having a safe attachment, had a safe attachment, mm-hmm. had a, a, a good beginning of his life, is really available for, um, uh, for his, uh, his own curiosity and discovering the world around him and connect and just reach out and take in and he do all these things. And often we see children that are uh, a bit more shut down or a bit more or, or coming a bit more um, aggressively out. So when we see um, the imbalances, when there is not available curiosity and freedom to discover and to for creativity, and we go a little bit to our edges, which will be then more shut down or more hyper uh, reactions, mm-hmm. reactivity to our traumas, like you say. Then this this is this is how we, how it shows in our life, and it also shows in us adults how how much are we uh, in our flow available for our curiosity, for creativity, for our own like initiatives and um, or are we reacting to the world around us, to our traumas, to our, yeah. Yeah, well, it's our energy. It's like a, if we are, bound, our energy is bound up in the, in the trauma looping, whether it's a shutdown or a hyper, like you say, um, our energy is going there and not towards our purpose, our, our interest, our curiosity, our health. And by the time we get to be 40 or 50, um, a lot of these traumas from our prenatal time are showing up. Uh, and I know that we, there are a lot of it's preventable. So if we can just really focus on helping people understand their natures and relieve their early trauma and support families better, I think the world would be different. We would have more peacemakers, more educators, more artists, more musicians, more people with applying their huge creativity towards solving problems as opposed to fighting. Um, I think it would be, we would have a different planet. I I couldn't agree more. And I'm actually really enthusiastic about this uh, opportunity this option, this imagination of this of the world. And you mentioned about like when we are about 40, 50 and all these traumas are showing up. Could you talk about it a little bit in your eyes? How how do these traumas shows up? Um, Well, we know from, for example, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, autoimmune, um, diabetes, metabolic disorders, cardio, cardiology, respiratory disorders of different kinds i mean well, this comes out of the aces of a study you were talking ACES. about well we we are looking now at the baby's experience we're calling baby aces or hmm. adverse early experiences or uh what else do people call them but they they're just adverse experiences for babies um and i mean they, they show up in a wide variety of disorders often it's it's immune, autoimmune, um, neuroendocrine, uh, um, chronic fatigue, uh, chronic pain, uh, digestive disorders, metabolic disorders. Um, this is not not to mention the learning disorders that can come from uh, undiagnosed trauma from our childhood and babyhood. 
that can impact our our adult life because we don't achieve what you know what education that we could have if we'd had if our families had had more support or understanding um but the the data like i said it's we get we can see schizophrenia other psychoses um heavy mental disorders depression um add adhd uh, and it's um I mean, we're looking at an epidemic of adult disorders uh, that could have been preventable from supporting a mother-baby dyad, even starting before pregnancy. So it would be my wish that if there's a a funder out there or someone who's a philanthropist who wants to support efforts, I mean, supporting this time, pregnancy and during birth and after birth. I mean, if you, we know, I think this is even dated for every dollar that you, that you invest in this early time, you save $7 later for every dollar. So um, that's really important research done by an economist. So it's like, I think it's a no brainer. Why aren't we doing it more? I, I think it's just hard um, to see and know so much and want so much to get the word out there, which is why I'm grateful that you interviewed me today and gave me a chance to talk, but also I, mean, I wanna reach as many people as possible to help people orient more towards this very vital time of human development. I feel like it's so important what you just said, because, you know, we started talking about birth psychology and parents and all these early time. And I feel like, my work, I work a lot with chronic pain and fibromyalgia, and this is my my main um, areas that I work in. And I feel like it's so important to make the to make the connection to people. People are not aware how their uh, physical problem, you know, they just like you said, they reach forty or fifty, they have diabetes, they have this back ache, and they just think, yeah, this is how age look like or blood pressure, or and it's not. It's actually not like, it's not how age look like. It's just how past traumas manifest in our physicality and, yeah, how they show in the world. So I think it's so important to bring awareness to this so people can be informed and also to give, um, like, um, uh, um to be positive about the future, to the, the, to know that there is what to do with it. We can change that. It's possible. Our brain and our nervous system are narrow. There is a neuroplasticity. And our, as somatic practitioner, we work with this neuroplasticity. This is what we do. Mm-hmm. And this is how we change things. Yes. From yes. inside out and not from outside in, like you said before. Yeah. Yes, from inside out. So if you bring a mother baby dyad to me, I can make a difference in three sessions, sometimes just one. Uh, And if you bring an adult to me who's had the same trauma, only 50 years has passed, it will take many more sessions for me to help that adult. I can do it, but it takes a lot more, a lot more. Yeah. And so... Let's support mother-baby dyads. Let's support birthing parents. Let's support hospitals, birthing hospitals, so that they can really educate their staff and change the way babies are welcomed. Um, and, uh, and then really help with the paradigm shift uh, in the way we're with human development, starting from preconception. Yeah. yeah. Amen to that, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, right now I'm supporting a series called um, The Impacts of Adverse Birth and Prenatal Events. And I'll enroll you in that so you can see some of the newer data. And then you maybe can broadcast it too, because uh, I have some of the newer research uh, in that in that uh, series. Wow. Yeah, I would love that. Yeah. Uh, I'll do that yeah. today. Yeah, great. <laughs> Thank you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow, Kate, we've, uh, I, I feel so inspired to talk with you and it's so, um, 
it's so interesting. We 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 share a lot, mm-hmm. but of course you have your own uh, focus point, and I just couldn't uh, wish more that I would live close to you and you will touch my baby a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, maybe yeah. Oh, I wish too. I wish too. I wish I could. Yeah, see so many people and help them. And maybe there'll be people that want to get trained in your country um, to help mothers and babies, because that's what I'm about. So, yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So do you want to add something before we wrap it up and finish for this time? Um, no, I think that's this has been a real joy to talk with you about my passion. It's always a privilege to have somebody ask, um, to, to ask about it and give me a chance to explain it and then give people windows of opportunity to, to learn about themselves and about their babies and about improving the world, the human development and the quality of our lives through focusing on the early time. So Mm -hmm. thank you very much. Thank you, thank you for for jumping in and uh, agreeing and joining the this space. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.